We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another dagger in Ryan's heart because he's a big Virginia Tech guy. And to he's lose literally to the greatest, he's the single greatest quarterback in the history of the Virginia Tech program. And of course, he signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and so, yeah, there, there were a lot of things wrong with that scenario. It's December 2010, Eagles at Giants. This is Remember That Game, a podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Semerick, and my guests are the hosts of the Sports Gambling Podcast, Sean Stacking That Money Green and Ryan Real Money Kramer. How do you feel about going down this Eagles-Giants wormhole? Oh, I feel awesome. As, a, as an Eagles fan, Eagles have been, uh, what, 20 and four the last 24 <laughs> games. So yeah, always, always enjoy talking Eagles giants. I, I was going to say, I think I even made a note that since the, the giants rattled off nine in a row ending in 2001, I, it, it hasn't been a pretty rivalry. Giants get that season sweep in 2000. It's been back and forth in the aughts past decade, giants four and 16 against the Eagles, including one in 10, in the past 11. But in 2010, the Harbinger Giants going into week 15, they got 12 to 1 Super Bowl odds, tied with the Eagles for the division lead. Eagles at 8 to 1. When they're up 21 points with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, but switch real quick there. Yeah, I wonder what the uh, this is before live wagering became as prevalent as it as it was or as it is now. I, I wonder what the the live line was when the Eagles were down 21 there in the fourth quarter. Matt. Effing Dodge. That, I, I I will never forget the name Matt Dodge because he was this well hyped. I I don't ever remember there being hype around a punter since Sean Landetta like this. The guy could apparently kick it eighty yards, all this great stuff. Yet all season, Tom Coughlin hated the dude because he would just not kick it out of bounds. And this was like the culmination. Well, and and they were down twenty one. They ended up winning by seven without overtime. I in my head, I imagined an overtime scenario, but no, that that Deshaun Jackson punt return happened basically as time expired. He was running on the two yard line to bleed the clock, it. and I just remember thinking, like, what are you doing? Get in the end zone! Get in the end zone! Because Deshaun Jackson, of course, notoriously rookie season, he's on the one yard line and and is celebrating, lets his arm down, and the ball. He fumbles it at the one against the Cowboys. I think it was a Monday night game. So crazy, even to the last second of that game. 
Listen, I, I, I don't have, to, I mean, if you're a listener of our, our podcast, there, there's something going on right now, which is the Kramer F my life tour, because everything, <laughs> everything in my sports universe is going wrong. And, and specifically the giants Eagles rivalry, it was very good for a long time in my life, but man, I, I, since I became an adult, it really hasn't had too many bright spots. Tom Coughlin making it pretty easy for lip readers out there. Pretty much before the <laughs> game has ended, I mean, they still have to go out and kick an extra point. Coughlin's walking out on the field. Very clearly see him saying, what did I tell you to do to Matt Dodge? A very public dressing down. And right before the punt, while I was re-watching it, this was pretty foreboding. can't remember if it was Joe Buck or Troy Aikman, but they said that, quote, Tom Coughlin said trying to angle it and asking him to do certain things at this stage of his career is difficult for him. And they said that right before he kicked it a line drive right to Deshaun Jackson. It's it's funny you say that because another note I made, and this is all from memory, was that there was some sort of foreshadowing before it happened. And the second it left his foot, and when you saw it was like a short, crappy pump, but bounced nicely. It's like, oh Jesus Christ! Like I'm, I think we were watching this game together, Sean, and I was probably screaming as loud as anyone would want to hear. Just <laughs> kick it out of bounds. The only, the only way they lose the game is if they kick it to to John Jackson. That that was it. It's exactly what they did. And in a weird way, as awesome as that comeback win was, it, it kind of spelled the end of the uh, Mike Vick era in in Philadelphia because I, I remember vividly after they beat that Giants team. I was I went back home. It was right around Christmas, and they were supposed to play the Vikings on a Sunday. And then there there was going to be a big snowstorm. They ended moving. They ended up moving that game to a Tuesday. The Eagles were fourteen point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings and Joe Webb. And the Vikings came in one outright, twenty four fourteen. Then the Eagles lose the final game against the Cowboys knock them out of uh, the division, uh, you know, knock any chance of a, a buy there. And then they end up, or sorry, uh, yeah, getting a first round buy. And then they end up hosting the wild card game against the Packers lose 21, 16 victors an interception in the end zone. And then it was kind of over after that. Yeah. But in that moment, sinking feeling as a giants fan and the scenarios that come out of this punt return that, that the giants have to go to green Bay where they'll be underdogs. A loss to green Bay means the loss on tiebreaker to both green Bay and the Eagles. So the giants go into this week, 12 to 1 Super Bowl odds come out of it, 22 to 1 Super Bowl odds. As this game's ending, is this was this setting in for each of you? Eagles are probably division champs. Giants went from outside Super Bowl contender to probably not making the playoffs. I was speaking from the Giants' perspective, I was probably still recent enough in their dominance over the 2007 and then the really the 2008 season was their most dominant team before Plaxico shot himself in the leg. (laughs) But I was still mire. I was still in that flow enough. And the Eagles of course never uh, had, had won anything important. So at that point I was probably feeling all right uh, with the situation. Obviously I wanted them to take Matt Dodge out to a field and put him (laughs) down. Uh, and I probably wasn't too happy, but, but you got to remember it, it only took a year for me to kind of recover and uh, you know, he- head on my way to another Super Bowl ring, Sean. There you go. Was that week two, the following season, a good enough feeling of redemption 2011 shortened off season, but all August you hear about the Philadelphia Eagles dream team. Was it some redemption to send that dream team off to a one and two start with a new receiver from the practice squad, Victor Cruz? 
if I recall, that was the game he had that that play where uh, who was the Raiders cornerback that turned out to be complete trash. Oh, uh, uh, Namdi. Namdi. Namdi collided with someone as Victor Cruz juke through them, took it to the house. I remember that game vividly because I I believe I should pull up the box where the Giants went out to like a fourteen to nothing lead. Yep. And I'm sure we were watching this game together, and I'm sure sure Sean was just an absolute despair. <laughs> um, in, in general, like not to go too coach speak here, but you got to take it one game at a time when it comes to these divisional games. Giants finally break a streak. I think they had lost six or seven times straight heading into that Victor Cruz emergence game in early 2011. Uh, back to the, the 2010 game. Did you feel as an Eagles fan, Sean, that it might be over for the Giants even before the Deshaun Jackson kick return? Giants get the ball down to the Eagles 41. They had just given up 14 quick points. And instead of going for it on fourth and eight from the Eagles 41, Giants punt it. You got a tired defense going against Michael Vick with three minutes left. When you get the the fourteen quick points, and they're really a lot of people say there's no such thing as momentum, but I, I really don't know how. If you've ever watched a game in a game like this, like the momentum just started happening, and that those last couple drives, the momentum was all on their side. And yeah, I mean, I I felt really good going into that last drive with Vick and. When Vic was firing on all cylinders, it was it was just so exciting to watch and another dagger in Ryan's heart because he's a big Virginia Tech guy and to he's lose to Michael the Vick. greatest he's the single greatest quarterback in the history of the Virginia Tech program. And of course he signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and so yeah, there there were a lot of things wrong with that scenario. Full disclosure, I'm also a, a VT grad and Giants fan. Complicated feelings when he joins the <laughs> Eagles. Kind of rooting for him until he put up 21 straight. <laughs> that hurt a lot. And it looked like, I mean, the offense couldn't move at all. Um, they were the number one uh, total offense in the NFL. And there was a point had an advantage of like 400 yards to 74 for the Eagles. And then Brent Selleck's 62-yard touchdown when the Eagles are down 21. I guess Kenny Phillips is going for the pick, but when you're up 21 with eight minutes left, it feels like one of those weird swings that could change the game and, and bring another team back in it. The Selleck touchdown pass was was huge. In, in fact, I was probably well on my way to thinking the Giants were going to blow it after that happened because I, I remember I was a huge Kenny Phillips guy. It really To this day, it bums his knee didn't hold up. But, man, after that 65-yard touchdown pass. I remember thinking like, Oh my goodness, they're going to, they're going to find a way to blow this goddamn game. And I think it was only what a minute or two later that Vic Vic ran that touchdown in. And then it was I, in my mind, I, I yeah, think it was, it was two minutes later. So Selleck scored with seven twenty eight left to go on the clock. And then Vic scored exactly two minutes later at five. And, and at that point it was over, but, but in the moment, I think I was already ready for the, I mean, the <laughs> Eagles were going to come back, Matt, there was no way at that point in the season, Matt Dodge had already screwed up so much. I was 100% certain he was going to blow the game. So I, I, I think I was probably starting to count the loss maybe after the Vic rush bizarre sequence that gets the Eagles those 14 to cut it to seven in the fourth Selleck getting a 62 yard touchdowns kind of out of currents I didn't notice it until I rewatched it in coverage for most of the route was Justin Tuck yeah. interesting <laughs> defensive call um, so he gets easy throw over the top to Selleck in that coverage and then Kenny Phillips for some reason is going for the pick when it's heading squarely to Selleck's chest and then the onside kick 
apparently the Giants were 15 yards off the kick when legally you only need to be 10 yards off. And the Eagles only had 10 players out on the field. What resulted was aesthetically the easiest converted onside kick I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, well, you mentioned Selleck, and I'm I think, regretting choosing this game already. The, the, this is the, not comfortable. The 65 yarder from Selleck, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but that, I'm pretty sure that's a career long because he was not a guy that had uh, insane catch and runs or 65 yards. He was yard a blocking passes. tight end. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a decent. Uh, a decent receiver, but he certainly wasn't Zach Ertz or someone like that where, you know, he's a receiver first. Watching it together or any other Eagles game leave you to deciding you needed a little space apart for either hours or days because of how dramatic <laughs> or heated the end. No, because I think 100% of the time, Sean's going to take it more seriously and I'm going to probably laugh at the situation. <laughs> I will say, I mean, just from a, a like personal health risk, we were we were at the twelve sack game September thirtieth two thousand seven. Okay. Uh, it, it was it was an, it was kind of the whole day was pretty epic because not only were we there in person to watch McNabb get sacked twelve times an NFL record OC six of them final score sixteen to three. If I recall, Sean, that was Sunday night football. Yes. And instead of doing something smart, we were younger and probably doing something cheap. We got dropped off at JFK after the game and slept at the airport. Yeah, it was a it was a horrific, <laughs> horrific night, top to bottom. It started out great, uh, tailgating, drinking, nice, nice food spread. And then oh, a total a total Jersey thing, like some state we uh, we have like an in with some state troopers. And they do okay. this this whole this whole nice layout. We have a great time. No one's really messing with Sean because uh, it's Giant Stadium. You know, it's not it's not a ho- it's not that hostile of a place. <laughs> but after the game, man, I, Sean Sean's life was in jeopardy. Fortunately, I was oh. there uh, to save him. But I mean, you know, there was a lot of guys chirping. I just <laughs> I mean, what do you die gonna... Eagles die just constantly? Yeah, I mean, really, I had nothing. What was I going to say? They. They just got embarrassed. It's one thing to lose a game, but to get sacked twelve times, <laughs> and then looking forward to sleeping over on the floor of the JFK airport. I really think I got something in my lungs from the carpet or some of the chemicals they used to clean it. It was just a horrific. It was just the you know, on the on the crap Sunday, the cherry on top, uh, sleeping at jet the jet blue terminal. So yeah, it was it was a nightmare game. And I and I was. Well, and, and real quick, just the one other game that I can think of that Sean was out of his out of his wits end after it happened was the walk off overtime game with Plaxico Burris. Uh, I don't remember the full context. I believe it was 2006, and uh, game went to overtime. Eli went went down the, down the sideline to Plaxico walk off. I believe the Eagles were pretty good that year, but I, I remember vividly remember we we lived in a house together at that point. And I remember Sean walking down the hallway to the bedroom, slamming the door and just disappearing. <laughs> that sounds like some I would do. I don't, I don't recall that game exactly, but yeah, well, it definitely was in my wheel. It was a rare win for me. So of course I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to savor that one fairly early in Eli's career. And he goes for three seventy at the link and a walk off. I, I believe at that point in his career, he, he had been uh, pretty successful in Philly to the point where it was a thing that people spoke about. I mean, to start his career, I, I believe he, he, I think he was four, four and two in the link. So it was definitely a narrative earlier in his career that obviously changed <laughs> as, as the years wore on 370 in the 06 
game at Philly. But later that year, how and how much disbelief for you that all that ended with losing to Jeff Garcia in, in the wild card round? You got to remember, Jeff Garcia also was the orchestrator yeah. of beating that Giants team with Jeremy Shockey and that yeah. comeback with T.O. catching the was that NFC Championship or that, or that division was round? that was divisional round, but that was I mean that was another really good team that that fizzled out at the hands of Jeff Garcia. Seriously, <laughs> I remember stewing on the fact that the league had admitted they made the wrong call by not having the lineman eligible uh, when the Giants fucked up the field goal kick and they throw it downfield. And apparently the person got interfered with by pure luck happened to be an eligible receiver who was an offensive lineman. And I remember just like muttering about that for weeks. Um, Honestly, I, I also it's funny because that that play is up there with me. Uh, up there for me with the extremely bogus defensive holding call in the Super Bowl against the Ravens that to this day, I will swear to anyone that changed the whole dynamic of that game. Uh, It it called back. uh, If I recall like a 95 yard interception or fumble return. Um, But yeah, that just the giants, they've not been fortunate. They've not been fortunate. Even you zoom all the way to 2020. What do you mean? Oh, you zoom all the way to 2020. I mean, and the, the, Eagles, the helmet catch. Are you kidding the, me? The They're Eagles, not fortunate. The Eagles don't get on a plane, but once or twice in the first 10 weeks, come on. Yeah, it's a great scheduling quirk for the Eagles. And unlike last year, where the Eagles had to play three teams coming off a of bye, including the Patriots when they played them. So they didn't, the Eagles coming off their bye, they didn't get any rest disparity win there. But now they're not come facing anyone coming off a of bye, which is huge. Going into the 21st century, yeah, Giants dominated that rivalry, several wins in a row. And then in the early 2000s, it flips. Perhaps it's that Westbrook punt return in 03 at the end that was kind of a similar, not quite walk-off, but special teams play that turns it around for the Eagles. Or maybe the Dixon lateral return that falls just short as the Eagles clinch the NFC East for the first time in years in 01. When did it really set in for you that it, it had changed in this century? I mean, uh, speaking from the Giants perspective, it probably didn't happen until after 2011, honestly. I probably I probably didn't really notice that it sucked this like as I'm as I look at it in retrospect it was pretty horrible the whole time but there were enough spurts of of intriguing play between like <laughs> 2003 and 2007 2008 that I probably didn't notice but lately it's just brutal it's absolutely brutal. I don't. I, I, the last thing you want to do is have to deal with an Eagles fan who's getting the better. Of you. <laughs> last time the Eagles lost. Uh, was Carson Wentz's rookie year, November six, and uh, other than that, yeah, they've been they've been cruising. They have the Giants' number; it's pretty awesome. The Eagles' current seven-game winning streak starts against McAdoo, who kicks a field goal <laughs> when they're down eight with five minutes left to make a one-score game. A one-score game. <laughs> Elliott kicks a sixty-three-yard field goal in twenty seventeen that sends the Eagles to two and one at the beginning of their Super Bowl run. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah. Well, we were watching it at my place and I just stood up and it was like, Jake effing Elliot. And cause they had just signed him. And I, I like remember just learning this kicker's name. He would, he got cut by the bangles and they're like, he's got a long leg and oh my God, are you really going to try a, a 62 yarder, 63 yarder? And then of course, Carson Wentz is on the sideline saying, if he makes this, I'm giving him my paycheck and uh league rules prohibit that. So he gave it to, <laughs> he gave it to, uh, Elliot's a charity of choice, but yeah, Jake Elliott hit a lot of kicks in 2017, including 
the one to basically ice the Super Bowl going up 41 33 in Super Bowl 52. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you could choose one moment where outside of the Giants-Eagles playing, the moment you've most enjoyed watching the other eat shit against a different opponent. <laughs> well, that's tough. I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's probably every moment that wasn't them winning the Super Bowl. That, that <laughs> the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was one of the worst moments. And maybe you can arguably change trace the Kramer F my life tour back to that Super Bowl victory as the beginning of the end, because at the end of the day, no matter what the Eagles did, and, and maybe this is why I didn't notice their dominance, no matter what they did, they had never won a Super Bowl. And so it was, it was an easy argument. Now, now they got that Super Bowl and it's just a giant thorn in my side. It's pretty awesome. Not going to lie. Yeah. It's, it's tough to, and maybe it was that, that 49ers team. Uh, that was fun to see the Giants lose. Ugh. The problem is a lot of their a lot of times where they're playing in big games, it's against a team like the Cowboys. <laughs> so I can't root for them. I'm just kind of sitting off to the sideline. Yeah. Or even even I mean that second Super Bowl against the Patriots, I was rooting for the Patriots. The first one because the Patriots were 17 and 0. It was hard not to kind of root for the Giants there a little bit, but yeah. Who doesn't like betting on a four to one underdog, Sean? I mean, I think that that was. And I the, made a ton of money well, along with Ryan in that on that first Giant Super that's Bowl. That's actually an interesting. Yeah, not only that, but we were out in Vegas for the divisional round against the Cowboys, and myself, Sean, and some other friends literally put every penny we had on the Giants money line. So I think Sean ha- has enjoyed some of the moments that he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Going against the Cowboys, it yeah. I hate the Giants, but the Cowboys are on another level of hatred. You got to you got to power rank your hatred. And right now the giants, I hate them, but again, it's, you know, how much can you hate someone oh, that's just not it, really again for it to be a rivalry. It has to be competitive and 20 and four, the last 24, 88, 86 and two all time. Eagles do <laughs> lead the series, but it's pretty damn close, Sean. All right. Going back to all the way, like what? 1930. Well, I mean, I'm really proud of the streak from 38 to, to 42 <laughs> where they didn't lose a game uh, or, or the period where the Steelers and the Eagles uh, merged for a little bit. That counts what we did against yeah. that. Are team. you count? Are you counting those Steagles losses? I don't think that should count. David Gettleman has had as much success as uh, Howie Roseman, the Eagles organization recently. But oh, back in the day, you had Andy Reid and Roseman. They get Jason Peters, who's a left tackle in this 2010 game. They get him for a fourth and a conditional sixth rounder. And yet they run Andy out of town. They make Howie Roseman spend three years as a marketing intern. 
<laughs> and the Giants organization would never do that to their grades. Yeah, I mean, they just bring guys like Gettleman back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> well, I mean, Andy Reid, I, I think I was definitely rooting for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And and everyone in Philadelphia, I think, still has a you know soft spot for old Big Red. But there was a certain time, you know, after that four and twelve season. It it just I think it was good for Andy Reid, good for the Eagles to kind of get a fresh start. I mean, I loved it when he left. That he was good. <laughs> And then he leaves. It's like, yes, finally, Andy Reid's out of here. He's he's arguably the best coach in the NFL. Perhaps the Chip Kelly era kind of helped me as a Giants fan not feel so crushed by the the past decade. It was certainly nice to listen and watch Sean try to spin the idea of drinking smoothies and and veggie <laughs> drinks and all this other shit. I mean, you know, as as annoying as as Chip was, he was ten and six. Uh, they won a, you know, they won the division his first year and then kind of cooled off after that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly is just kind of a weirdo, but there, there was some, <laughs> I mean that RPO stuff as much as, you know, I like to say uh, F chip and fire chip once, once things turned it, in a weird way, he kind of did help the Eagles win the super bowl because that RPO stuff that he was running with Nick Foles in 2013 when Carson Wentz got knocked out of the 2017 season, they act, they dusted off that playbook, brought a, a lot of that RPO stuff back that Foles was running when he went 27 and two, and, and used that on their Super Bowl run. So I think you won't hear many people saying it, but I, I think Chip Kelly deserves some credit well, for the the stuff he brought to the offense. Typically, the first guy through any door is the one that's going to get hit with the giant grenade or whatever <laughs> analogy you want to use. And unfortunately, it was Chip Kelly because you could argue that chip Kelly was the beginning of a pioneering. A lot of this stuff, a lot of the horizontal, you know, spread, spread the game horizontally, right? Use all 53 yards. I, th- I think it's fair to give chip Kelly a lot of credit for that. Now in the moment though, still funny to hear a, a, a nerdy, uh, a, a nerdy guy who didn't play football himself, who started at like New Hampshire, telling a bunch of professionals that they need to drink green smoothies and, 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 and stretch more, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in 2013, uh, that hit the NFL like a wave. I mean, no one was ready for that offense. You had, you know, Sean Jackson, even Riley Cooper sprinting wide open downfield, hands in on personnel a little too much. But yeah, I mean, if you remember that 2013 Monday night game against the Redskins where they debuted that Chip Kelly offense, people were losing their mind. They go, oh my God, football has changed forever. And it was hard not to get swept up in, in something so different. And then, Chip Kelly, kind of his biggest mistake as far as play calling, he just never was able to adapt. And of course, trading for Sam Bradford, which was a horrific, unforgivable mistake. But uh, he, he did a couple things right for sure. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy, just like three yard gaps, gets the rushing title that year at, I think, 20, 20 to 25 to 1 odds. Yeah. Let's go into some moments of Giants and Eagles history and see which side you would take on each of these. Which was lamer, McNabb picking up the phone on the Giants' sideline as some sort of bit, or Strahan accepting the gift sack from Favre to get the single-season record? Anything McNabb done was worse. <laughs> Come on, Michael Strahan's well, a massive celebrity and uh, superstar now. Here you go. Uh, it's pretty. I mean, the Sean, gift sack it, it actually impacts records, and that that's unforgivable. I mean, but isn't that isn't that something you take up with Brett Favre? Yeah, I would. And, and it's not Strahan's <laughs> fault. He got the sack. But really, McNabb's just corny. I mean, that's why a lot <laughs> of the players kind of thought he was a dork. And uh, I don't know. McNabb, McNabb has a weird history or a weird relationship with the city of Philadelphia. He's he's definitely a cornball. But the gift sack, come on. 
You're, you're better than that. Who has the best jump cut for any active running back? 2013 LaShawn McCoy or 2018 Saquon Barkley? Well, that's, I mean, it, I think it's hard to, I mean, Shady is one of the all time like video game juke guys. And I actually thought you were going to go Brian Westbrook here because I think he's another guy you can put in that category. Uh, and if you, like, I would go not Saquon, actually. I would go, I would go Shady here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Saquon has good moves, but really, I, I think his, you know, his success comes from like those crazy Saquad, like his crazy strong well, he quads does, and he does everything well. He just doesn't juke as well as Shady. Yeah, Lashawn McCoy. I mean, that like snow game, him jumping over dudes and and cutting all over the place. I mean, literally, his his Twitter handle's cut on a dime, and you know, you got <laughs> you got to be pretty confident of your of your skills if that's what you're going to use. Two quarterbacks who have taken their team to the Super Bowl: Nick Foles or Kerry Collins. Oh wow, Jesus! Uh, you know what? I'll take Kerry Collins because that guy didn't give enough. Like he—he <laughs> he was a—he's just like like that team. That team was just every bit of that team was awesome. It was very New York. It was very like like Jim Fossil is a, just a typical like fu head coach. They have Jeff Fox. Wait, yeah. Je- who was the defensive coordinator? John Fox, yeah. Jim Fossil, and I think I said Jeff. Jim Fossil, and of course Sean Payton was the yep. offensive coordinator. That they just happened to run into the greatest defense in the history of the NFL, arguably. Yeah, I mean, I'm going, I'm going Nick Foles there because he won the Super Bowl. Oh, come on, and you, you would you, Penn State guy, <laughs> Kerry Collins loves the booze, big strong guy. There, well, there is Nick a, Foles is like super religious and things that you're not into, Sean. Hey. <laughs> I, I'll give it. I'll give it up for Kerry Collins. Uh, yeah, I mean he's had he's had a bunch of different runs. He's kind of an interesting quarterback, much like Nick Foles, where they've had pretty high highs and pretty low lows. And if you like, with Nick Foles, obviously his. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't think Kerry the Collins. Philly special that that lives. That's one of the greatest plays in NFL history. Kerry Collins doesn't have that, but Kerry Collins had a bunch of good seasons. But a very up and down career, much like Nick Foles. But the lows aren't as low as Nick Foles because his low was getting cut on hard knocks by Jeff Fisher. <laughs> that was that was pretty low. And then he goes on; he, he's ready to give up football, but then gets a calling from the good Lord to head out to Philadelphia, give it another whirl, and uh, the magic the magic happened. Andy Reid or Tom Coughlin? Andy Reid. Okay. He, yeah, I mean Andy Reid's. Uh, I, I think I, Coughlin's a good a good uh, team CEO, but at the end of the day, a- Andy Reid is still a relevant. I mean, he just won a Super Bowl. It, granted, it's his first, but come on, twenty years of dominant offense—that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid, twenty-one years, two hundred seven, one twenty-eight. That's an insane win-loss record, and and you don't really see that coaches coaching for this many years. And the only argument against him was that he, you know, he didn't have that Super Bowl and he finally got it. I mean, look at it, you know, his run with the Chiefs. He's 77 and 35. It's insane. And I debated between these two gyms, but let's say either of them Jim Johnson or Jim Shorts, whichever you want to pick, versus Steve Spagnolo. I mean, Jim Johnson, he, he, he's an all time legend. Uh, he's, he's much better than Jim Schwartz. I mean, Jim Schwartz kind of a little underrated, but certainly not legendary status like Jim Johnson. I mean, those, that 
2004 Eagles defense with Brian Dawkins. Uh, it was really, it was really something unique in the NFL. Yeah, those Jim Johnson teams uh, adjusted net yards per pass attempt allowed top five every season, just about in the early 2000s. Well, I mean, for me, it's 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 simple. I mean, I I think much like the NFL, who got fooled by Spags for a decade after he ran that defense there in New York, <laughs> uh, he was the perfect guy uh, for the, for the perfect time. I mean, I. I will always like, I, I'll never forget. I can, I can, I will always see that play against the Redskins where they get that fourth down stop on the goal line. And then the rest is history. That defense t- takes off and I'll go a step further. I remember that year. I, I love Spags so much. They were talking a, a bunch of hot, hot crap on Spags and the defense on uh, what was the guy, Sean, on the serious John Hine. I think he was, who was the uh, Scotty Farrell had a sports show on the Stern channel. And they were they were talking smack before the Super Bowl, and I called into defense Spags, and that pass rush turned <laughs> out to be right. Nailed All day, it. I'm picking Spags. 2011 Eli or 2010 Vic? Oh Jesus! I mean, uh, I would go 2010 Vic. Just like the added, I think what was cool about that was just the out of nowhere and the second coming of Vic that that made it so exciting. Uh. I did like, I, I really appreciated getting to watch him make a comeback. Uh, that being said, 2011 Eli gets no credit. He carried that team. He was the reason they won the Super Bowl. Everyone can give the defense the credit for the first one, but Eli deserved the shit out of that one. I'll take 2011 Eli. Very polarizing debate is Eli Manning's Hall of Fame candidacy. Let me pose this question. Would it even be a discussion if all his good receivers didn't suffer debilitating injuries during his prime? <laughs> I mean, you can you can talk the receiver thing all day. Eli Manning shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. I'm sure he'll get in because he's in New York, and they they gave him that easy uh, victory at the end to get his <laughs> to get his win loss back to 500, which was really awesome when they the Eagles knocked him down to sub 500. But uh, you know, I think now that he's back at one seventeen, one seventeen, and who says he's not he's not going to come back and try and make another run here uh, once it, once it doesn't work out for the Daniel Jones. But yeah, I I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I'm sure he'll get in. There's five people on the planet with two Super Bowl MVPs. Period. He's a Hall of Famer. Two weeks before this 2010 game, uh, Steve Smith injures his knee, never the same. A couple years prior to that, Plasco Burris. Shoots himself in the leg. Two years after this game, Hakeem Nix hurts his knee. Never the same. And then 2014 in Philly, Victor Cruz injures his knee, and the Eagles' 10 and 1 streak against the Giants begins. That's a lot for a quarterback to lose while he's still playing his best football. I love that. I love. I love. I love that. Uh, hearing the, that data makes me smile because, uh, come on, Sean. I mean, you can pretend like he's not, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, I I don't Period. doubt that the media will <laughs> vote in Eli Manning into the Hall of Fame. You want to talk about bad receivers? Look at the look at the slop that the Eagles trotted out. Todd Pinkston, <laughs> Freddie Mitchell. Uh, I'd like to thank my hands. The only the only you know receiver they had, Terrell Owens. You saw they got to the Super Bowl when they had him. So if you want to make the receiver excuse, you could you could make almost a better case, I think, for McNabb than than Eli. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Yeah, but, but McNabb threw three or three picks in the in the Super Bowl. That he did, yes. Yeah, well, so, some guys show up when it matters, and some guys don't. 
Carson Wentz, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll find out this year. And Eli, uh, there's a great 20-second video I'd recommend anyone find on YouTube. After the Eagles complete that 21-point comeback in 2010, Eli waiting for his, you know, the, the media availability. Everyone, I guess, is talking to the Eagles at that point. There's one guy there in a backpack to talk to Eli that rolls in uh, late. And Eli goes up to the podium and deals with the one person in the media just like it's any other week. He has that autopilot mindset. Almost wonder if that mindset is what gets you through playing quarterback in New York with the New York media. And if that's the main reason they drafted Daniel Jones. If Baker's Mayfield's making fun of him before his first start, it, you know, he's, <laughs> he's like Teflon, baby. To survive in New York, we've seen this before. I'll call out the Randy Johnson example like I always do. Stars come to fail in New York. So you need a guy that's going to come and focus on what's in the windshield, Sean. There's a reason they make that rear view mirror smaller. We need to look through the windshield. We need to focus on what's in front of them. And Eli in that video exhibits part of the reason he's a Hall of Famer. I'll end the podcast on that so I can submit this to uh, Canton, try to get Eli in. I'm, ho- I'm hoping we can all get on stage as a result of me steering the ending in such a pro Eli direction. Uh, thanks for coming I'll be, on the I'll be there. I'll be there booing his induction. <laughs> This has been another episode of Remember That Game. Please rate, review, subscribe, and check out more episodes. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.